I'm your host, Khawla. Today, I'm very pleased to have a guest whose story is full of various experiences and challenges. She's from Taiwan. She grew up in Taiwan, New Zealand. She lived in different countries. She's now settled in France and work as a case officer for a French medical consultant company. She her story is interesting for those who want to make a change and to live abroad. Diana Shen, welcome to Women's Stories podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for being here. So how are you and uh, how are you doing with the COVID-19 situation? <laughs> um, I'm good. I'm starting to, to settle into my, my office slash bedroom <laughs> because before it was a bit weird working at home we don't have well i don't have too much space but um, um I, I i i can see that this is obviously necessary for us to contain um the virus so um i'm doing what i can which is staying at home and not and not um keep, keeping my social distance and everything and um yeah i'm dealing with the situation just fine with lots of barbecues during the weekend <laughs> That's cool. So where are you based in France again? And what is so special about just coming to France and settle here? Um, well, I'm based in the west coast of France. So it's La Rochelle. It's a, it's a beautiful little city and um, great vacation spot with lots of beaches. Um, yeah, and it's been really nice. It's my it's my second year in France and I have not been anywhere else um, since I arrived other than um, visiting a few other cities along the way but um, yeah the French experience has been really 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 special just because it's a again it's another lifestyle new language new friends and new everything but I'm really liking it especially um, I love the food <laughs> <laughs> And then I'm learning French as well, which is another another thing that I'm interested in, and learning languages. So yeah, I'm really enjoying myself here. Oh, that's cool. And what are what is the the biggest challenge that you had when you settled in France? Um, biggest challenge in France definitely first would be the language. Like um it's not the first time I had to sit in a new environment where, where mm. I didn't really speak the language. So the language barrier was certainly definitely the, the, the biggest challenge of all. Um, but then not having my family with me, I guess, when, when, I'm a, when you have to face certain times where um, you don't have physical support. Mm. Um, but in times of like, like this, I'm really grateful that I live in an era where we can just connect through Skype and WhatsApp and maybe be able to have access to 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 anything basically but um the the biggest challenge would be definitely um language which i've um i've been able to overcome uh, in the last two years more or less but um it was definitely the most challenging thing i had to face yeah yeah, because the, the language is, uh, it's really hard for the beginning. Also for me, it was a little bit hard to uh, to learn the language. But after two years, it's it's going to be easier. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like you, you kind of have to um, adjust your mindset. Like stop thinking of yourself as the outsider. Because if you think of yourself as an outsider, that kind of shifts the mentality. You'll never be 
be the local because you'll never do the things that locals do because you just assume that it's not made for you and you're 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 meant to be on the other side where you could have just taken the step and try and kind of mingle in in the local community mm. Yeah, I 100% agree because when you have the confidence and even like if you do mistakes, it doesn't matter. But if you try and you have the confidence, you will eventually get there. So, yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, there's definitely a lot more to um, language learning than just studying grammar, of course. But um, immersion is another th another great way to kind of um, build your local network and also practice the language because obviously humans were social people we need that constant connection so like joining a local association I adopted a cat I started doing tango so things that I like but then I have to communicate with the members or whoever I'm, I'm doing the activities with so that kind of motivates learning more than just learning the language itself it's because i'm motivated to talk to other people that um makes it um, a motivation for me to learn the language wow that's cool so but tell me because i'm very curious about your journey how did you end up here in france uh, where were you before <laughs> long story short i don't know how long we have so i'm going to make a long story short and you can ask questions if you'd like but um i I was in New Zealand when I met my French partner and um, he was doing a working holiday in New Zealand. So working holiday, I don't know if you know, it's this one year visa for people yeah. in And so my, my partner, he was in, in New Zealand doing his working holiday and I met him there. I was working there at the time and his visa obviously expired after one year. And then he applied for a work visa, which but she didn't get, so he got rejected. And so he had to obviously leave New Zealand. And so I was, I was faced with the um, choice of either following him or, or having a long distance relationship, relationship, which I didn't know if I could handle. So I chose to, to follow him to France. And it worked out because this was kind of in my plan before I met him, I wanted to do a working holiday in France as well. And the opportunity just came. Like I, I, I just met a, met a French guy without planning to, and um, yeah, he he kind of brought me to France. So love brought you here in France. Yeah, l'amour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, yeah, I was brought to 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 the land of love by a Frenchman. <laughs> he has not disappointed me so far. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's great. Two years in France. I applaud you for this. <laughs> like well, it hasn't been it hasn't been that hard. I mean, France is not a very difficult country to fall in love with. I mean, it is beautiful. It does have pretty good weather when you're on the west coast. Yeah, and um, the food is great, and um, it, it has lots of cultural and, and like historical elements to that you can explore into. So it's not like I'm I'm off to like some really um underdeveloped country where i have to um accustom myself really um physically you know it's something that I kind of just mm. slide into and and it hasn't been that hard i think okay so so going back to your story and what you told me before because you lived in different countries mm -hmm. so tell me what drove you what 
why you wanted to to be in different countries and what's the the country that you were very impressed the way of um, living culture um well um i i i grew up in well i'm from taiwan so obviously i grew up in taiwan but i did spend five years of my childhood in in new zealand and um i think that has really impacted me as a person because i grew up in both like an asian and western society and so i have asian parents who have very very high expectations of their children like in everything <laughs> and then i have the, the western you know i was cultivated in the western um environment as well where where we 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 have a lot of opinions for ourselves you know it's not just the system so that kind of clashes um but um growing up in in taiwan new zealand definitely impact me as a as a person i really enjoyed especially um my childhood in new zealand because i had heaps of freedom um like the child was not just made to study like you had time to explore nature and your your connections with with mother earth they really emphasize that um and then after that when i returned to taiwan i was working for like international companies so i was able to live in the states and europe for a little bit and um i really really enjoyed spain because it's kind of like france but just they're so passionate people um and um Spanish language is very very beautiful as well and um America I loved as well but in the, in the sense that there's like the, the the um the landscape is so beautiful so the country is so vast that there's so much to explore so I think living like like everywhere and <laughs> for a bit has kind of um made me want to explore the the world even more because we only get this life as i believe <laughs> um so i'm going to make the most of it as much as possible i'm going to try and connect with as much people so in order to do that you kind of need to speak different languages and then you can't just travel you have to kind of long stay in order to connect the local community so i don't have a goal where i have to stay in like a certain amount of countries in my lifetime but when i get the opportunity i don't hesitate i'm like okay this is a i've met a french lover and he's asked me to go to france with him okay i'll i'll just do it you know because it's kind of kind of integrated into the back plan that i had since i was a child to to get as much um as much out of the world as possible that mm -hmm. possibly could so um that means finding a job that will take me to places um connect with people that are open minded and will invite me to places and um be open to all kinds of um invitations and not be you know not to, not to be hesitant when it comes away so basically yeah wow that's inspiring but what do you say for people who are hesitant and indecisive that they can't just take a decision <laughs> i think there's always going to be there's always going to be you know that that part of you that's tugging tugging at you to stay but i think you do have to weigh the consequences as in um i'm not the person who prioritizes having you know accumulating fortune because obviously when you're when you're moving from one country to another you're you're starting from ground zero so instead of working your way up the corporal ladder which would 
probably accumulate more wealth or mm. status. You always have to start from zero. So if you're not the kind of person who's who adapts to this kind of lifestyle, then this is the kind of thing you have to think about. But if you think you are the kind of person who can adapt, then just don't 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 let that stop you. You know, it's easy. Of course, it's easier said than done. But um, be impulsive because mm. if you know that's good for you deep down, you know that's good for you, then um, you should definitely give it a try because. Um, or else you just regret that <laughs> at some point of your life. But um, of course, this lifestyle is not made for everybody. But if you think that it's that you're able to take the risks, then um, it's definitely worth um, planning instead of just thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree with you. So tell me, what's what's the most difficult decision that you have you have had ever to make in order to fulfill your destiny? My destiny, wow, that's, that's a huge word. <laughs> I don't even know if I believe in destiny, but um, a really difficult decision I had to make that um, I can think of one that I made very early on as a child, but it was more than, more than like an impulse than like a well thought out decision was that um, when my mother asked me if I wanted to move to New Zealand because at that point she couldn't come with me she had to put me in a homestay where like a local, a lady, a Kiwi lady, a, a New Zealander would take care of me. And I was only seven. So at that age, I had to make a decision where I would not see my mother for one year and live in a foreign country that didn't, I, didn't, I had no idea how to speak English at the time and be with a lady that I didn't know, but I knew was going to take care of me. So at that point, I, I made the decision to stay and that was like a turning point in my life, which came quite young. But I remember when I was being asked that question. So that's a, that was a difficult question uh, for me when I was young. And um, the reason why I was given the choice to, to, to either move to New Zealand or not was because there was a theory that in 1997, when I was seven, um, that China would attack and conquer Taiwan. So mm. my, my father, being an Air Force pilot, he was afraid and, and all of the Air Force families, they either moved to America or they moved to New Zealand and Australia. So my mum was thinking of immigration, but she wasn't too sure at first. So she thought she'd ask her daughter first to move there and see how it goes. So that's why um, that's why I was given you know the choice of whether to move there or not. And in the end, China did not attack Taiwan. But ever since, there has been a lot of friction between the countries that has caused like a identity issue. I think for the people of Taiwan because people think of us as a state, but we have our own passports, we have our own, we elect our own president, but we are not part of the international community. For example, the, um, the World Health Organization, Taiwan is not a part of the World Health Organization, where we don't have access to information about the COVID-19, for example, mm, yeah. because, because China is not allowing us into the association because you can't have two chinas in one yeah. in, in one association so um so they're it's kind of depriving us of basic human rights because this is not even a political mm. issue anymore it's about it's about you know well it's about protecting you know um humans in general 
But um, so I think this China Taiwan issue has always been present in in um, in every every part of a Taiwanese life growing up up until now. If you if you look at um, all the international organizations, Taiwan is either Taiwan is in um, listed as a state or they're excluded from from everything. So that's other one other point I'd like to mention. But but um, I think what you want to know is probably in terms of when I was an adult. Um, a difficult decision to make was, um, let me think, uh, there was one when I was working for an international company and I, it fulfilled my desires to travel and work at the same time. But um, I realized that there were things in the company that I wasn't too comfortable with. Mm. They weren't treating employees very respectfully, especially the women. They were generalized the women as well, which made me feel uncomfortable. But I pushed it aside because um, I was more interested in what benefits this job could give me. It could fly me to Dubai, fly me to California, fly me to Australia when I wanted to. So I kind of neglected that that part but then I realized it was too important for me to to neglect after two years of working for them because I realized that all this traveling I could have done myself without the help of the company it's just that I was so attached to this carrot that was hanging in front of me like oh next I can go to I can go to Hamburg for for this conference and next I can go to Russia for this mm. for this expo I, I I forget to step back and then kind of look at the big picture like what's important to me and what do I want to do instead of just looking forward to the to the next treat that I'm getting you know which is being like fed to me by this corporate mm. um, association that didn't um, its values I did not recognize so it was a hard decision for me at the time to kind of cut myself away from that and then um, try and find a job that um, that had the same values that I had, which obviously didn't pay as much and didn't fly me to places, but at least I was at peace with myself. But um, I think it does take some time to uh, make that kind of decision. But yeah. I'm happy with it. <laughs> Especially when you have a lot of advantages ahead yes. behind you, like you see the advantages of the company, but you are not very comfortable with with your work. So it's like you're being a little bit hesitant whether you leave your job or not yes yes it's because the benefits are very very immediate they're they're, they're right in your face so it becomes really hard to turn down it's it's like kids trying to turn down candy you know it's very hard but when you when you're an adult you you can take a step back and look at the big picture which becomes a bit hard to do when you're already in the routine um, but um, once you do that, there, there's so many possibilities. It's not just the job that can get you to places. I am not working for the same company anymore, but I still travel. And I didn't think it was possible before because I didn't, I didn't consider other opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you, you searched and you, you like you thought outside the box, and you, you found another job that suits you better for your well-being also yes in a way yes <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back to your first decision that you had when you were a child because i was very impressed like when the child uh, he 
you know, a child like a seven-year-old child and just kept away from, from, from you kept, like you, you were separate from, from your mother and you, you had this decision to make whether to stay with your mother or to stay in New Zealand and you chose to stay with New Zealand. How did that affect your childhood? Um, I think uh, my mum always told well, my family, they always said that you have to be responsible for your decisions. So that's why you can't make decisions just like that. You have to think them over. And I do, you, I do think that you can't uh, underestimate a child because when I think of seven-year-olds now, I think, oh, that's really young. But at the time, I didn't feel young. I felt like I was, I was myself, like just like how I feel like I am myself now. We're all each one of us uh, individual that um, can think for themselves. So I think even making the decision really young, I knew what I was doing and um, obviously affected um, my life ever since because I was able to, I'm able to speak English. I'm able to connect with people on a different level. And also it, it taught me independence at a very young age. Like I'm, I'm very, um, I can still remember this, this feeling of going into a classroom with like people, with kids staring back at me. And then the, the, um, the teacher will be like, hello everybody, this is Diana. She'll be with us starting from today. You know, I have this feeling of everybody's eyes on me. And then me just like taking deep breaths and telling myself that this is okay. So um, I think it's the self-consoling um, practice that I have has helped me through a lot of rough spots um, growing up because I knew that I am here to help me even if um, the outside circumstances don't look that advantage uh, like um, doesn't look that good um, I could still um, cope with it myself just as long as I stay calm so I, I learned to do that when I was very young because when you're seven and you don't have your parents or you don't have your mummy or your daddy and you you have things that go wrong you know you, you have to cope with it yourself and um for me that started when I was at a very young age and I still do this when something difficult happens or I have to do something I always count down from three it sounds really weird but I just go three two one okay I'll do the right thing no matter how hard it is it sounds really simple but it's not really it's, it's yeah just, into what I do <laughs> so so that's now I understand why you love to connect with people and go to different countries because in your young age like at seven year old you learn to be independent and try to to reach out to people also mm -hmm. yes because when you don't reach out to people you're basically you're alone <laughs> of course there, there are other kind people that that come across your path and they try to, they extend their, their hand out to you. But basically if there was no kind person to do that, you're pretty much on your own. So it's up to you to, to make you, to build your own bridges and um, start conversations and keep the connections. Um, and once you leave a certain country, it's like, uh, do you preserve that relationship? How do you preserve that relationship? It's, it's also, it's, it's quite complicated when, you, when I come to think of it. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's helped me um, become the person that I am today, which um, I'm ha very happy to say that I'm happy with. <laughs> yeah, and it's very, very unique and impressive. It's the first time I hear like a story like this. <laughs> so 
uh, how did you manage to pull yourself together when you when you're growing up and you faced like setbacks or challenges when i first um i mean growing up i think um because coming from like an asian background we i think as asians in general we try to avoid conflict altogether like it's not always the best way to 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 face problems because you might have build-ups and stuff but um i'm 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 pretty calm i'm a very calm person as most taiwanese are that we don't really get angry that often we don't have like a huge you know roller coaster of emotions mm. but just because i've had that western upbringing as well i i express myself but in in general there's there's not that many things that can upset me <laughs> like you know for me it, it's just just life you know <laughs> but um i i did read a book recently um and it's managed to to categorize and um explain how um how i've dealt with things and it made it made a lot of sense and i thought i'd probably just share that with you because it might be helpful for your audience and, and and you yourself as well so um i did learn that um as humans our, our brains they can be divided up to up to three parts so the first part is like the primitive brain so it's mm. the, it's the like the fight or flight actions and all the instinctive actions that happen when like a, a shock occurs you know so when when if you learn that your friend has died in a in an accident you start crying hysterically and this that's the fight and flight instinctive and then the second part of the brain contains the emotions that we feel after the shock so love anxiety stress joy sadness that's the things that we feel and then the third of our uh, the third part of our brain is the smart brain that does all the analysis the strategies and weigh up the best alternatives and approaches to do things under different situations so mm -hmm. i learned from the book that this is the, the the process that the brain undergoes when we are we are faced with trauma and and big surprises of shock so basically when we are shocked or we take a hit in a very bad situation it's the primitive brain that comes into action first so mm. this brain is not very rational and can make often bad decisions and in order to avoid that we have to move ourselves into the second part of the brain and then slowly up to the third part of the brain which is the most capable of handling situations in a calm swift smart manner and how do we do this first we have to be aware of the process so now you know that there's oh there's a, there's a, there's a process you know first my my brain how my brain reacts is when something bad happens we allow ourselves to feel the shock and acknowledge how you feel so a way to, of doing that of helping yourself go go upwards in the brain process is to say things out loud like like oh god this happened okay now i'm really really sad or i'm really really angry like say it out loud or mm -hmm. say it in your brain out loud if the, the environment doesn't allow you to and then this will help you trans to transform your initial shock into sentiments mm -hmm. and then ask yourself how would a calm person deal with a situation like this the kind of self-question technique will put things into perspective and um how to help you to calm down and deal with the situation in the calm way so uh, i think this happens a lot when we try to talk to somebody or even talk to ourselves when um when they're in their 
their primitive brain modes, like they're, they're in shock and they're, they're yelling and they're crying. And we're saying, you know, calm down or don't be so upset, but it doesn't get through because we're talking from, to them from our, you know, third, you know, human brain and they're still in their primitive brain. They can't, they can't, there's no, there's no, there's no receptor, receptor. So you have to work themselves up before you can talk to them or else nothing gets through. So I realized I've been doing this since I was quite little. Like I tried to talk myself like, okay, this is happening. What would I do if I were mom? How, what would I do if I were, you know, a person I knew was calm and, you know, would handle things in a smart way. But just reading this book recently, I think it's called Just Listen by Mark Goldsberg. I have to double check on that. Um, and it kind of just explained to me in the like, the, the the biologies behind how our um, our human brains work was um, quite interesting. I thought I'd just share that with you because it definitely helps with coping with um, difficult moments in your life and other people's lives, and then understanding why some people in moments of stress can't take in the logical recommendations or suggestions that you're giving them because obviously they're not up there with you just yet, and you kind of have to help them um, take the step up into the, the brain process in order mm. for them to, mm. to recept um, your, your messages. It's very interesting what you especially during this, this time with the COVID-19 because when it started, everybody freaked out and everybody tried yeah. to, the, to go to the grocery store, buy everything and you know, it was the fight and flight process. Yeah, mm -hmm. this is, it was a panic for everyone. They just wanted to be safe and, and now it starts to slow down. So I'm trying, so I'm now I like really understand, resonate what you're saying with the situation that we have now. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely first thing that we, 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 we come across this message that is foreign and maybe shocking to us. And the first thing we do is not always the most logical decision, but it's the thing that we, we do to, to help us survive, you know? So basically in, 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 for some people, it's grabbing toilet paper and um, obviously that doesn't really help with the virus and doesn't help with the situation at all, but it's the first thing that we think of, but if they actually stop and think, okay, I'm scared. Why am I scared? I'm scared of getting the virus. How can I, how can I help, um, you know, ma maintain my, 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 my daily routine in my house without feeling fear? I don't think they, they, they would have come up with, you know, stocking up toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's go back to your professional career because uh, you mentioned that you worked in different jobs and I was mm -hmm. impressed by all the, <laughs> the jobs that you had. So um why you wanted to try different jobs did you felt that you had this unfulfillment inside you um well a lot of the jobs i had well the first few jobs i had was basically just to make myself independent um so i tried to find jobs that would satisfy my need to travel and at the time at the same time make money but then i realized I could make money other ways. <laughs> I didn't always have to rely on like high paying salaries in order to, to feel satisfied with my job. So I started doing it the other way around. I, I looked for places to go first and then I tried to find a job locally. 
Um, so I did that with uh, my job in New Zealand. So I, I, I flew to New Zealand first and I just got a random job as a, as a market researcher. And then I, I started looking into the travel industry because New Zealand, like everywhere else, is a great travel in, like destination for, for a lot of people. And they really practice um, environmental friendly um, tourism, like ecotourism as well. So um, that definitely helped me in, you know, setting my, my, my direction for, for job hunting because now I don't direct my, my job hunting strategies to the kind of jobs I want anymore. It's, not, it's definitely not career-based anymore. It's definitely more about where I want to be and then what kind of jobs that, that I would be, feel happy doing. Like, for instance, now I'm doing, uh, I'm in the uh, medical um, consultant sector and um, basically all the jobs I want to do, A, I want to make sure that I feel like I feel appreciated. Like I'm not just a screw, little screw in like a big social machine. Like I wanted to make sure that what I did, I felt make a difference. And um, also that it felt like I helped people. It, it might seem, seem like, oh, I'm, I'm selfless, but actually I feel like it's the other way around. I'm more selfish because I feel like I'm doing something for the society, you know? Um, instead of you know just 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 doing something that would make m money for my mm. for my company for example so everywhere I go I try to look into NGOs but because a lot of them don't pay <laughs> um, or doesn't pay they don't pay that well so I try to look in other sectors where language um, the, the my, my language skills would come um, and help in you know in in the job and everything so basically I don't have this great career path that I'm following it's more about where I want to be geographically and then I start from ground zero and I look to work in local industries that um, that match my values yeah that's a really great uh, way of thinking because you start to see where you will be geographically and then you are going to search for a job so it's a very interesting process yes i mean it does have its ups and downs because i wasn't i was i wasn't trained to be like a i don't know a programmer like i'm not doing the same thing everywhere i go mm -hmm. so uh, it could be frustrating at times because every time you have to start from zero but i think i've kind of gotten used to it um, so I, I always learn something new about different industries in, the, in another language, um, which personally, I think in, in terms of salary growth is not the best way to do it. It's definitely better to, to follow one career line and kind of jump and go up um, in, in, in the different um, positions as, as you progress. But if you're like me, who wasn't trained, I, I didn't study like a, a, a certain specialty like like a doctor or a programmer you, you're equipped with general education with language and then you kind of have your own input in things but that also helps as well because I was frustrated at a certain time in my life that why didn't I study finance and then you know become like a like a risk analyst, you know, mm. they, they make heaps of money and then they could find a job and easily in a lot of places in the world. But then I realized that, um, 
I probably wasn't too good with numbers. <laughs> so you do have to do some self-assessment at, at some time. And then if you've already done what's done, then you, you work with what you have. So what I have here is I know I have a people personality. I, I have language skills and I have the drive and motivation to do these things. And there's millions of jobs out there that, that would fit into my description. So I, I guess everybody has their own way of, um, of um, finding a job that's suitable for them. There's not just one job, there's multiple jobs. You could be a IT programmer, next thing you know, you might be the biggest hit in, in, in podcasts, you know? There's, there's, there's unlimited um, opportunities to people who, who, who work on it. So mm. that's what I, what I truly believe in. Yeah. Yeah, that's really inspiring because we need also to follow our intuition. If we are in the same job uh, every year, every day, uh, people will feel a little bit depressed and try to find new ways to, to do something or find a new job. So, yeah, it's very interesting mm -hmm. what you said. And I love also what you said about uh, having um, a future better self as a role model. And uh, improving ourselves, it's, uh, it's the most important message that I want to spread uh, in the podcast. I want people to, yes. to, hear their, to hear their stories and try also to improve themselves. So how do you think women could reach that state of becoming their, their own role model? Um, I do think if you, you, if you were educated where you grew up in a, a so-called general environment, most of us deep down, we know what's, what's right and what's wrong, even though we don't always take the right path, we might take the wrong path sometimes. But I, I personally think, I think that I, I always know what's right and wrong. I just, it's just up to me which decision I want to take. So um, knowing that every time you come to a tough decision, whether to tell something, to tell something to somebody or to take a, to take an opportunity that you, you're not too sure if you're you would um, be competent enough but you know it's the right thing to do but you just mm. know that you're scared so um i think it's just having this inner self dialogue all the time and not just focusing on the on what's happening around you but actually just um um talking to yourself a lot of the times but it could it could become a bit messy because our brains are quite complex so i do suggest writing things down because that kind of unscrambles a lot of the the feelings that we have um and then be able to look at it and maybe talk to other people um you know writing down our thoughts and then talking talking to other people about it and that does help me make decisions to become a better person mm. and because i already have this this role model of me that that's the perfect the perfection of me so every time I, I come across a hard decision i'm like what what would she do in that kind of you know situation then i just follow whatever she would do like there's not much debate to that it's, you just kind of follow the right path but obviously when something is more ambiguous um it's not as easy and i do think writing it down and taking it to professional or people who are more familiar with the subject would would help mm. and also surrounding yourself with role models and having them you know con constantly remind you on you know the person that you could be and that that potential self that you're always working towards to does help as well yeah 
that's great advice for women today, especially. Uh, so let's wrap it up with the, with the final final question. Uh, what what's the best advice you can give to to a twenty year old woman now who are trying to experience their own journey? How many? Sorry, I didn't. I didn't. I, I, it was cut off just there. Um, could you repeat the question? Yeah, of course. Uh, for the final question, what's the best advice you can give to a twenty year old woman? Um, a twenty year old. Um, best advice for, oh, that, that's a, that's a hard one. <laughs> I think to, I would say it's good to make plans because I don't make plans myself. Um, uh, like I said before, do what's right because uh, a lot of bad decisions could be, be made in in just a second just like that and it's something that you would not want to be doing because that would um, affect the rest of your life and when your life yeah. is at 20 there's a, there's a lot more years to come so definitely um, just because you're young doesn't mean that your decisions don't have an impact result on the others and your later self as well so um, make good decisions because um, that would uh, probably affect um, the, the rest of your life from, from then on. And um, don't be afraid because a lot of people are stuck in current situations that they're not happy with because they were too afraid to make um, decisions young and um, change, I don't know, their career path or what they wanted to study or who to marry, for example. So um, making decision, good decisions starting from when you're a young age is definitely um, a lifesaver. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the advices. So I really enjoyed talking to you and hearing your experience and your, your very interesting like story. And I'm sure the audience will enjoy it too. So tell me where, where people can find you on social media if they want to reach out to you. Um, I'm pretty secret. <laughs> I mean, social media is not my thing but um i do manage a page <laughs> so just on a side note um i i do um free tourists like free walking tours for people in the city so i'm i i, I work in medical con consultant companies but um on the side like like you i have like a side project that is um doing free walking tours for visitors, visitors to the city and i try to share with them you know things that you know you know my, my dailies in in france and and people can contact me to to get a walk, free walking tour as well so if there's anywhere that you really want to reach me me you can um search alahoshal free walking tours with diana and you'll find me on there but other than that i don't i don't do too much of the instagram or facebook thing it's because usually i keep it to my friends and family which <laughs> i would be sure that you'll be able to understand <laughs> yeah and i would love to go to la rochelle and meet you there <laughs> yeah when you're in town just um give me a shout i'm not too far <laughs> I could I, I could be able to give you a free talk. Yeah, I would love to. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Diana, for being here. All good. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs>